Cinema Obscura. From KYW in Philadelphia, it's a look at movies that may not exactly be considered mainstream and may have had a limited run upon release, but worth a look. This week from 1980, the Japanese-American science fiction movie Virus, and from 1982, the drama science fiction movie Turkey Shoot. I'm Steve Nikhazy, and I'm joined by independent Philadelphia filmmaker Andre Bennett. How you doing, Andre? I'm good, Steve. How about you? I'm doing great. We begin with uh, the end of a world story about a virus accidentally created and supercharged. It supercharged any illness. That was the problem with it. The virus called MM88 falls into military hands. It's accidentally released in this curious doomsday movie that features some familiar faces. The movie called Virus. Yeah, some really heavy-duty names in this one. Well, Glenn Ford is, got, is, you know, is, is an amazing presence, Glenn, right? Glenn Ford as the president. It has so many big names, actually, for the time. It's an international production funded by Japanese money. It cost about 2 million yen, which at the time made it the most expensive Japanese mm-hmm. movie made up to that point. And uh, it has Glenn Ford. It has uh, Chuck Connors with a really curious British accent. <laughs> that is weird. Very uh, weird. Bo Svensson. Robert Vaughn as a uh, as a congressman, Henry Silva as a uh, as an insane general, George Kennedy as one of uh, the leaders of civilization after this virus decimates everything, Sonny Chiba as a scientist in the Antarctic, and it's just a lot of a lot of people, and Olivia Hussey, yeah, who uh, yeah. at the time was still and probably still is best known for playing Juliet in uh, Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, in fact, we have uh, uh, a double feature with her yes. on, on today's Cinema Obscure yes. and more on, on the other movie in just a moment. But, you know, I'm thinking uh, Glenn Ford and Robert Vaughn, they needed to make improvements to their pools at their summer homes and may have been short on cash. And so, hence, the, the paycheck that came from this uh, this uh, American-Japanese production. The two, actually, I thought <laughs> the the most bizarre thing in this is this the scene in which they're two, like, dying in the White yes. House, the scene in the White House. Well, I don't think it's as much of a spoiler to say in this movie, (laughs) almost everyone dies. Right. It is about a uh, super virus that decimates Earth's population, more than decimates really. Hundreds are left alive and flee to Antarctica because the virus is dormant in cold temperatures. Mm -hmm. And then they have to uh, figure out how to rebuild society and it's – it's bleak. It's unflinchingly bleak. And when you consider it's from Kinji Fukusaku, who is probably best known in America for his final movie, Battle Royale, which was also a dystopian film about a bunch of high school students stranded on a deserted island and forced to murder each other, then you kind of get to sort of where his head is at because this was a man who survived the bombings at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. He was part of that generation that to make their own way mm-hmm. and figure out civilization. So he'd seen the apocalypse already. Uh, his most notable films up to this point were the series called The Yakuza Papers, uh, also known as Battles Without Honor and Humanity. But it was a thinly fictionalized series of films about the origins of uh, the Japanese mafia, the Yakuza. And those movies kind of played like if The Godfather were a textbook. They were very pulpy, but at the same time, there was a lot of information, and these were very dense movies mm-hmm. in a good way. And Virus kind of plays like that if he was making a history 
textbook of the future, a particularly depressing one at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with a background like that, a life-changing background, uh, you can certainly understand how that would reflect on, the, on his art. And the uh, interesting thing about it is that there are multiple endings for this film floating around from what I hear. I know that there are multiple versions of it. The version I saw was the full version. It's two and a half hours. And it it ends with the rest of humanity mostly dying in a nuclear holocaust because uh, somebody left the uh, automated defense system on. (laughs) What? Yeah, yeah. After a couple of years, it still works. Yes, it still works. And uh, I watched that and I'm like, wow. And even like the quote unquote happy ending, Mm -hmm. it's still like not enough. Yeah. Yeah, after after what we've been through in the in that past two and a half hours, I thought it was I thought it looked good. The movie looks good. It's well shot, well edited. Two and a half hours though is, is really really long. It is, but the uh, <sighs> the American version, which is ninety minutes, also cuts out a lot of uh, development as far as the Japanese characters. It mainly focuses on uh, the Western cast. We have a clip from Virus. Yes, in this clip we have the president and his cabinet. Uh, discussing uh, actions to take about uh, MM88. Of course, mm. not a spoiler again to say nothing's going to work. Yeah. And the TV's on in the Oval Office. Let's listen in. Even now in Washington, authorities cannot maintain order. That's enough. And everywhere in the country, there is confusion, chaos, and disruption. What vaccine? All right. <clears throat> How long will it take to, uh, to manufacture this vaccine in quantity? Mr. President, we have not even been able to isolate the cause. The virus, if it is a virus, it's like the common cold. It is everywhere. It is nowhere. I'd like to say at this point, Mr. President, that HHS might have been in a better position to develop the crash program if its budget hadn't been slashed against the specific wishes of Congress. Damn it, Senator, I don't have to hear that from you. What do you mean? There is no vaccine? (laughs) Then what is it that we're giving the police and fire department personnel? the essential services, the military alert crews, if not a vaccine. It's just that we don't have enough for the general populace. Isn't that right? We, we have a vaccine of sorts. We, we've put together a soup of every flu-related vaccine we know. Its effect leaves something to be desired. In fact, it's more of a placebo than anything else. You gave me a placebo? No, we gave you a sugar pill. <laughs> It's just as good, believe me. Well, uh, a clip for virus, and uh, it's kind of it. It may be hard to find in some form or another. It's very hard to find if you're looking for a physical copy. You could probably find. Um, I saw a Sunny Chiba bundle that includes it, but I believe it's the U.S. version. However, the uncut version is currently streaming on the Midnight Pulp service, and uh, you could also probably find it elsewhere online. Just a word of warning, if you're going to watch it on Midnight Pulp, even though much of the dialogue is in, is in English, there aren't any subtitles for the Japanese and, and one scene German dialogue. You got the sniffles? No, you got the virus from <laughs> yeah. Cinema Obscura. Cinema Obscura. Next up in the near future, people accused of deviant behavior are set sent to a rehab prison and they uh, they become gladiators of sort as cruel guards hunt them for sport in a movie that lives beyond Thanksgiving. This one is called Turkey Shoot, Andre. Yes, beyond Thanksgiving and uh, beyond the end of the world, really. Turkey Shoot is a post-apocalyptic thriller 
from uh, from Australia, directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. I guess you could say it's part of the subgenre known as Ozploitation, the uh, Australian exploitation market. It's not really a stretch to say that a lot of uh, Australia's uh, exploitation films were particularly nasty. I mean, Wake and Fright, of course, is probably one of the best-known examples mm-hmm. where there's actual animal slaughter on screen. Here you've got a movie where a guy has his toe torn off and eaten by a mutant. Right. Yes, right. and that's not even the worst thing. <laughs> no, it, it goes it goes beyond that. We were talking about Olivia Hussey. In she the, is in this. She is in this, and she is said to have been so miserable during the filming of this because she was deathly afraid of everything in Australia, especially the animals. Well, yes, the, the animals will probably kill you from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia Hussey also – this movie had, what, couldn't have been easy for anybody to make. Her co-star Linda Stoner was promised originally that there would be no nudity. She gets there and finds out that they're making her do it and they pressured her into it. So you can only imagine what Olivia Hussey also had to go through. There's a scene in a uh, shower where she is assaulted by a guard and it's pretty messed up and jarring and it's uncomfortable up to the end of it where she uh, manages to uh, figure out a, a particular way of, uh, of fending him off, which, yes. yeah. which is satisfying in the moment. But at the same time, it's like – this movie has a I'm watch I watched this cold. We watched this cold and it's smacking you in the face and that is not a pun at all just how violent it is towards like the female characters between her mm-hmm. and Linda Stoner's character and this one lady in the beginning who is uh, beaten by a guard and I'm just like this is a nasty movie. This is like sadistic. And, you know, on the surface, it doesn't really seem like it's going to go in those places, but it does. It really does. I watched it on Shudder, and they obviously drew parallels in the description of Hunger Games. This is more of a riff on the most dangerous game, though, in that it's, uh, you know, hunting man, man, the most dangerous yes. game. <laughs> Well, we have a clip from Turkey Shoot. You want to set it up? We do. This is the scene where they explain exactly – the rules of the turkey shoot. Tomorrow you can walk out through that gate and never come back. You'll be legal. Like I said, Thatcher, you can't be trusted. It's really quite simple. All you have to do is lead my guests on a chase for one day. A little sport. I get it. A little hunt. You could call it that. You're going to kill us? Not necessarily. You might survive. And if you do, you'll be free. They'll have weapons, won't they? Of course. And what do we have? Time. A head start. No deal. Paul, I can't last much longer in here. At least this way there's a chance. It's a setup, Chris. There are rules. It'll be fair. If you are still free at sundown, then the hunt will end. You can go on your way and no one will bother you. If we're still alive. What if you don't go? Then you will, I assure you, remain in this camp forever. Otherwise, you're out the door and we'll hand you a fruit basket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's uh, Steve Railsback as the male lead, Paul. He did quite a few cult flicks uh, between uh, Life Force and The Stuntman. One thing I can say is that Olivia Hussey's character, Chris, is probably the only one who has an actual character arc. Because everyone else just kind of stays static. 
But her character, she's unjustly imprisoned and she goes from being kind of like this this scared bystander into like someone who finds the will to survive mm-hmm. and ultimately uh, ends up getting into the violence. Her reaction to dismembering someone justifiably is genuine and Olivia Hussey is really good here. It, it really is amazing that we have this because – Two weeks before production, a major investor pulled out $700,000 gone just like that. So they had to do some rewrites. They had to shorten some scenes. and But still, they were able to you know, to uh, begin production as scheduled. Yeah, and you can tell that it's something that they did kind of on the cheap, but at the same time, it's so visceral. And in its favor, the script is so propulsive. Dialogue, I wouldn't say, is great, but it's very snappy in that – direct, over-the-top, campy way. It's not for – it really is not for everyone. And, and again, these are, these are movies that you may not have heard anything about. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt if you, if you want to check it out. Some of them are not that, that easy to find though and that is the case with uh, Turkey Shoot. But uh, yeah. who, who knows? For a long time that has been the case. But it is streaming on Shudder and has been recently released to Blu-ray. So it is a little more accessible now. Uh, there is a 2014 remake, and from what I understand, you also want to stay away from that because that movie is just bad. Turkey shoot. And uh, by the way, as we uh, wrap up this edition of uh, Cinema Obscura, we'd like to keep in touch with our podcast friends. Yes. If you have any suggestions, anything you'd like us to uh, take a look at, if you uh, like to talk to us about the movies we're talking about here. I can be found on Twitter at Andre Bennett Go. And I'm Steve on the air. Get in touch with us. We'd yeah. love to hear from you. Absolutely. Thank you, Andre. Thank you, Steve. Cinema Obscura. And I'm Steve Nicasey along with Andre Bennett. Cinema Obscura is recorded and produced in the KYW studios in Philadelphia. For more shows, check out the new radio.com app on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your favorite shows. Thanks for listening. Hey, Yoshizumi, how do you say life is wonderful in Japanese?